Welcome, everyone, to the 80th episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. I'm Dan Kozell here with Nicholas Tartaglia. What's up, Don? Uh, just uh, trying to take in as much as we can about, you know, the market, the chaos. We're going to have a lot of guests coming on in the next few weeks that we're going to share this with, but this has been a really uh, interesting start to the year where the NASDAQ, I believe, is almost up 14%, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is absurd. A little risk on uh, momentum back on. Yeah. And if you look at the year to date, sorry, let me backtrack before the people start quoting us. The NASDAQ is up 12.5% year to date. <laughs> Um, which is a bit surprising considering that interest rates are at a higher scale. And we saw what happened with yields a few uh, days ago. Um, mortgage rates are back up to 7%. I mean, that to me signals that the Fed at some point is going to have to increase interest rates again. Uh, whether or not people want to buy that narrative or not, it's just a macro theme at this point in time. But you know, enough of that stuff. Nick, we've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Um and it's centered around a cashless society and what that does for everybody in the world. And within it, unfortunately, there's it's it's totally divided. Yeah. I mean, it's for a lack of a better word, it is political. Very political. But I think you have to really take a step back and really understand, okay, what's at stake here? Because everyone's main concern when COVID which, by the way, I think you and I realized about two and a half years ago, we knew that it came from a lab. And now the media decided to confirm it three and a half years later. You know, So go figure. But what do we know? We're just a bunch of conspiracy theorists. But what has happened is there's been a push for this. Oh, we need a cashless society to protect people from COVID. And I'm like, that is the biggest BS narrative uh, that's been fed by the media. But CBDCs, yeah, which are commonly referred to as central bank digital currencies, have been making a lot of headwinds these last couple of months yeah. or the last few years, really. Um, and I, a lot of people are just not, they're not prepared for this. No. And it was a big discussion at the uh, the uh, World Economic Forum. That was a big component of the conversations. So it's, uh, people need to start understanding this, understanding the threats or the benefits, whichever side of the spectrum you come on that you need to start breaking these down, dissecting the subject and understanding what it is to be that needs to be understood when it comes to the topic of central bank digital currencies. Now, you can argue or you can talk about how technically we've always had it already because everything is already technically virtually done. Majority of our the way we pay for things is already done online and digitally and virtually. We don't really necessarily use cash much now compared relative to the past history. But we, what we need to do is dissect and kind of understand the mechanics of these choices and the direction we're heading as a culture and as a society that are, do we really want this trend where governments start eliminating all forms of hard, tangible forms of money currency to go purely online, virtually and digitally? And then the question becomes, what does this look like? Or what is the risk that this poses? Yeah, and I think we got to just start with the whole ecosystem, right? Um, let's let's take a step back. There's 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 two schools of thought right now. There's the East and there's the West. Okay, the East has been demonized 
my entire Western culture right now because of Russia, because of China, you know, everyone's labeling Russia as like the most evil place in the world. Don't get me wrong. I am Russian. You know, that there's a reason people have fled that country. I understand, you know, and it's resulted in an alliance between, you know, India, China, Saudi Arabia to come together and create their own monetary system where it's called the BRICS. And if you've been living under a rock, the BRICS system is something that is really going to revolution or it's something that's going to continue to push the boundaries uh, of what's happening globally. And what do I mean by that? Well, when you have probably the most powerful countries in the world on the east side of the planet coming together and saying that we're going to go out and try to destroy financially, of course, maybe obviously through war, but we'll see what happens. But when you have these these countries coming together and creating alliance and they start buying a bunch of gold to back up their currencies, that to me tells me that they're thinking 10 or 15 steps ahead of yeah. our Western allies who are just Absolutely. saying, no, currencies are going to be backed by, you know, promise to pay, you know, forget about gold, you know, or they'll tell their own people, you don't have to own anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm laughing and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, like, if 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 we're ever going to get to a tipping point in society, the countries that have the highest supply of commodities are going to win. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, if you, wait, yeah, I was just going to say, now let's bring it back to like, you know, a cashless society. Well, the West is pushing for this thing right now because they wanted to sort of empower people to be able to just say, okay, here, Here's my ID. Here's my identity. Let's just take it. And that to me poses a much bigger threat yeah. to individual sovereignty than a country or a system that has a lot of these infrastructures already in place, right? So it CBDCs, and, and I think this is just an introduction discussion because we're, we're going to get people on who are much more levels yes, of experts yeah. in this field but people who do not see this right now and will just uh, like totally just buy into the system without actually understanding the risks i mean we're at a tipping point in society where businesses that are making less than thirty thousand dollars a year in canada and the u.s who primarily do a lot of their business in cash how are they going to survive yeah so like <clears throat> if we Look, we need to take a step back in the sense that we need to look at the the macro framework of this whole scenario. Like if you go back, so the first BRICS uh, summit was 13 years ago. The key to this is understanding that this conversation is not something that's new. And it's not something that just been randomly came up. This has been a, a reoccurring theme that's been progressing and building for quite a period of time. And the main focus of this issue is always how do we push out the Eastern component of this world? How do we push out the West? from the global dominant is had since the second world war because the majority of the world operates under denominated under us dollars and the east side of the world does not wish to have that anymore so the brick first first summit was 13 years ago traditionally it was brazil russia india china and then you end up adding an s to become the BRICS because now you have south africa getting involved you have saudi arabia getting involved and the key with saudi arabia, uh, saudi arabia joining is the fact that you have oil which is a huge commodity of the world, and it's denominating U.S. dollars also. So if Saudi Arabia joins part of the BRIC system, the BRIC manages to create their own currency system and manages to push out and de-dollarize the oil industry, 
that's a huge impact on the global currency reserve of the dollar. And here's another interesting component. When you would look back at the beginning of the whole um, pandemic response with uh, the dollar, and one of the components people would always pose as the inflation risk or whatever, one of the biggest arguments you would always hear back from the Federal Reserve is the dollar is strong because it's wanted. The world loves our dollar. No, they just, it's the only current tool they have. It's not that they love it. It's that they don't really have many other options. D don't forget, I just, before you continue your point, yeah, yeah. for the last five decades, the US has been a superpower. Yeah. And we are witnessing the decline of an empire right now, mm -hmm. whether people want to agree with it or not. It's just, that's where we're at right now, but go ahead. Exactly. hundred percent. And that's it. So now we have this theme that people are starting to realize that if we want to start independently creating our own sovereignty as a nation, even though we're more at the local level and the individual, but typically when you're looking at it, if it's from a nation point of view, well, they, they realize I need to start removing my U.S. reserves because if I operate everything under U.S., they can sanction me and I can't do shit anymore because I'm not part of a system. People are starting to realize this thing. So people want another way to uh, transact and interact among themselves without needing the U.S. dollar to participate in the financial global system. So the BRIC system is a trend towards de-dollarization. That's a huge threat. The central, and this is where you can tie back in to the digital currency, uh, the dig, uh, central bank digital currency is the fact that the brick poses a threat to the Western side. And if this ripples out into massive financial or fiat conflict. Which it already has. So it's just people exactly. haven't realized it because currencies are being manipulated almost yeah, daily exactly. at this point. So you have this ripple effect that's starting to grow. And now the issue becomes this CBDC become a tool that Western central banks start using in order to penetrate through the, the problem they're experiencing within their own economies to directly have access to cash from their own people. Because the way I see it is just how can we how can we make sure we maintain our our inflow of tax dollars and control over taxes in order to ensure we can keep paying for the things that they want to pay. Not that we as individuals want to pay for, but that the state wants to pay for. And then you go down this path. Well, if you have a cashless society, you can't really transact externally unless you say, well, I'm going to operate in, in Bitcoin or gold and I'm going to physically exchange to that other system. But that's another kind of side thought on that one. So the issue becomes now you think about is, well, one, poor people. Poor people don't have like bank accounts, really. They don't have, most of them don't have phones. You can't even give money to poor people anymore because you operate under cash when you give people money. So now poor people become- You're you're actually, uh, you're pushing people out of society. Yeah, exactly. It's an unintended consequence of exactly. like putting people within a system because the argument is, oh, it's going to create payment efficiencies. It's like, well, mm -hmm. we've had credit cards for the last four, like 25, 30 years. You know, so like, I'm, I'm just trying to understand. It's like, what are, what exactly are we trying to do in, in implementing something that's going to exclude and marginalize an entire group of people from society? It's control. That's that, it, and and that's and that's goes into the to. next point. That that's that goes into the next step, which is like, you know, I I don't care how you look at this, and I think people are going to listen to this and say, well, this is just their opinion on on this. But the reality is, it's all about control. Yeah, I'm just saying. They might central, use they might use your safety as the precursor right. to justify it. And, and, and we know always... what that means. We, we we know what that means. Anytime government officials come out and say it's for your safety, you should run for the hills. Exactly. Because what is essentially going to happen with this? And there's been a lot of pushback on, on, on CBDCs recently, which is actually good because it just demonstrates the fact that we should not be allowing a central 
institution to control everything that we're doing. And you have to Not remember, by you definition. Have the IMF, you have yeah. the IMF supporting it. You have the World Economic Forum do it. And you also have to remember, if you have bad nations that are Marxists and communists and socialists wanting to do these things, how how can you say then that a Western democratic, sovereign, and a free market ecosystem that's trying to do the exact same thing any different? And this is like a Marxist dream here, a central banking system that basically has an eye on every single flow of capital within its ecosystem. I mean, we already pay taxes and the government knows what we need to pay based on the amount of income that we have through our, our, our bank accounts. And you now know, there's but no if, hiding period. And now, and now it's just like, it's, it's, it's not that we're, it's not that we're supporting criminality, hiding or... criminality. That's not, I just want to make sure that that's abundantly clear, but what you're doing is when you can't pay people in cash, when you don't have that tool available to you and every little detail is tracked, like how much bigger is the black market going to get? Exactly. That's 100%. just a question. I, I don't know what the answer is to that question. This is exactly. a risk that's affiliated with implementing something like this. Now they said, okay, Bitcoin, you know, came into the market. Everyone, there's a, there's also a little bit of a misconception. I think people believe that Bitcoin is like part of the CBDCs, but it's it's really not. Like it's its own own asset. It's a decentralized but, version. Yeah. Um. But what I would say is like you know, people were concerned. Oh, like criminal activity is going to increase with Bitcoin. It's like, well, it it did at the start, but I think the more and more time has passed, Bitcoin has really just turned into another asset class. And then you could throw that question around and be like to those he goes, how much more criminality has increased ever since the United States kind of had that open border policy? They operate under cash. They operate under uh, all the cod. They operate under typical financial systems. So, you know, the, the, the whole rosy, you know, blue sky scenario of, you know, CBDCs are going to solve the transparency crisis or it's going to solve like our ability to track criminals is... It's the biggest misconception of this whole thing. It actually is going to increase it. You just have to look at what they did with with uh, prohibition with alcohol. Mm. If you ban something in society that is almost like, especially cash, that's like a necessity. Really, it's a tool to to transact and do business. Exactly. If you ban that, like what what do you think is going to happen? The thing is, people don't want to feel like they have a big brother with every little dollar they spend. If I want to give you Dan money. And the government sees that where they think that every transaction has it because I paid you for something. Therefore, automatically there's a tax that has to be taken. And the other scary part from the central bank digital currency, if it's like a, if it's built on a, on a, um, on a protocol system, you can design your parameters to how the money flows. You can establish ESG protocols, reparation protocols, social spending uh, programs, taxes. If I, the government, like they did in China, right? Where they say, well, they can give you direct stimulus to individuals rather than going flowing out from the banks. And they can say to you, well, here's a here's a $2,000. You have this fixed period of time to spend it. If you don't spend it, you lose the money. And when you have the money, you can only spend it towards these things that we tell you. You cannot spend it on any other subject or any other thing you want. So the government can establish the parameters around how you go about allocating the capital that they give you. That even though technically is yours because you're paying it through whether it's inflation or taxes, it's your money. But they're giving it to you under conditions of how you have to go about spending it. And it'll be according to their whims. So whether it's ESG goals or other types of objectives... 
they can they can instruct that within the protocol of the currencies that they're going to pay out pay you out in. And that's the scary part. It, it seems like literally a Marxist dream because you have complete central dictatorship over how money flows within your entire economy and it's driven by a political central authority not from a decentralized standpoint. Now now don't get me wrong like uh, uh, like I've been using I've I've been using less cash like mm-hmm. everything has been you know through a credit card or, or but or you that have matter. the option but that's but, the key. but exactly exactly you hit the nail on the head man like this regardless of whether or not the, you know the, there, there's been a trend like we've become sort of a less like it's it's becoming a cashless society now but if you're going to eliminate that completely what you're essentially doing is you're creating a restrictive system that doesn't allow people to make their own choices that's the problem and you know th- this is going to continue right when when more and more countries start adopting this form of currency within their infrastructure unfortunately like people are going to get marginalized mm-hmm. and, and just gonna... to give a note on that specific thing i was watching i was watching some of the conversations from the world economic forum and they were all mentioning about how i, I within 2023 of having this for uh, this uh the forum, the summit, we're now, yeah, exactly. They're now saying that we're at a point where roughly 80% of economies are inquiring and researching and going down the rabbit hole of how implementing or the impact of CBDCs. Now, again, because it's a political one in terms of the perspective of how to implement it, the perspective of the angle will always be one taken of how will it benefit individuals from the safety standpoint or how will it ensure governments can ensure their tax inflow or tax the rich or mitigate uh, bad institutions, to, again, for your well-being. So you don't have to worry about your financial decisions because we will make sure everything looks pretty for you around you. And um, again, it's a scary thought. Because it removes the optionality as you were bringing up. So, like, you know, where where do people go from this? I mean, it's just take a look at what's been going on, particularly in some parts of the world, particularly in like Nigeria too. They've they've tested, you know, stable coins as part of their CBDCs, and like the results there haven't necessarily been, you know, attractive. People are getting squeezed out, but. There, there's it's a big privacy concern man at the end of the yeah. day they're 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 already we're already doing kycs from banks we're already doing background checks from people it's like what how much more do people want to give up their own control so that you know a centralized entity is just watching over them constantly exactly. if you get a fine there's no more waiting for a ticket and then choosing it's just sorry we're taking a straight out of your bank account yeah. You know, it's like it's there's no more there's no more options or choices. It's it will be done because it's, they it's can. It's like it's like you're almost punishing people for being poor as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I we 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 as a community can't even help each other anymore. Yeah. It's like because forget it. You, like and I'll use an example. There was a post the other day and I'm just thinking it's like okay, is this how C- CBDCs are going to be integrated? Ford came out with a patent yesterday. Mm. Or a couple, or this week, basically saying that if you don't, if you miss your car payment, we're restricting the ACs in your car. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, is this the direction we want 
society to move forward with? Like, are we, because they're going to track every single thing that we're doing, they're going to immediately just like restrict your access to things that like you should, you should literally have access to. Like, it, again, these are all questions that I have. But it the thing poses, is, you can look it at poses, China and they they they've implemented a ton, a ton of these parameters. Yeah, and like this is just a fact. China is a communist country. Is this where we're heading? And people have to remember: you have is to this where the words. West is? This yeah. where the West is heading right now with all this stuff? Because CBDCs, in my opinion, you're bringing they're going to bring us one step closer to it's having another a centralized yeah. unit controlling what we have to do what we have to think what we have to say and it's it's alarming in my opinion people have to remember when the more you centralize things the more you remove local communities to make more effective decisions for themselves because you're assuming that a central authority that has access to the resources can most effectively allocate resources according to individual needs of local communities it's impossible because most of the time you just get general perspectives or general um kind of outlooks on how they go about um allocating the capital and it's very very special interest driven or politically driven so when you remove the ability for a local community to take care of itself or to feed into itself or to invest within itself because it doesn't have the means to do so anymore because there's no more use for a system like that because everything is driven from the central point it makes it hard for a community to thrive and the only places that will end up thriving are the ones that are most closely correlated or connected or affiliated with those central authorities and now you have to remember this. You have to ignore words and you have to ignore intent. You always have to look at outcome and you have to look at action. Always. So if you look at the West and you see the West replicating behaviors of centralized dictatorships and uh, collective societies like Marxists and communists and socialists, were just they're just spectrums of each other. They're basically the same thing. Then you can't say that we're different because our behaviors are just replicating other nations' bad behaviors. So our behaviors are the key point to understanding whether or not this makes any sense. And it's a, and again, it, it, we don't live in a system where we're, we're not supposed to live in a system, or at least within a society where, at least not within the Western perspective, where the government is in charge of everything. We work for our capital. We work to produce these resources, not the state. And yet we've inverted this perspective that we assume that the state has total control and absolute control over how and where and when resources can flow. It makes no sense. They're not gods. They're human beings. <laughs> and this so, is a huge tool for them. So again, I think you really like just want to recap this because this is going to continue to be a topic of discussion and we're going to bring people on that are, you know, bigger experts in this field than we are. That's for sure. But I think right now, you know, the macro situation, it's East versus West, yep. you know, there's a financial war going on globally with currencies. Um, and it almost seems like, you know, whenever the West demonizes its Eastern counterparts, they always say, Oh, these people don't believe in democracy. Well, it's like, you're literally labeling China as like the go-to blueprint for society. Yeah. So like what, and, and you're going to do this with CBDCs essentially. Mm -hmm. Now, again, this is not exclusive to East versus West. Like both sides are going to be implementing this stuff. The question is how effective is it going to be? And what are, and we talked about the risks, but what, how resistant is the population going to be when they have to be faced with this? 
And then the question also becomes what happens to our dollars when we realize that or the value of our or of our wealth, if it's denominating currencies and traditional currencies, what happens when the world starts saying we no longer want these reserve currencies? What's that impact, the ripple effect? And you remember, this is all on the backdrop that central banks around the world are still loading up on monetary metals while we are not as individuals. So, you know, it, we, we and this comes back into our typical thing. One, we need to risk, we need to understand our world and our macro framework to best mitigate and hedge yourselves, whatever chaos is coming our way. These are conversations. These are not necessarily factual speculative outcomes. These are just behaviors and driving forces that we see heading our way. And these are waves. And we don't want to be slapped in the face out of nowhere. And then you lose everything because you weren't prepared. Conversations need to be had. Figure out how to hedge and de-risk yourself from these threats is critical because you don't want to be uh, left a whole, you know, with your pants around your ankles. <laughs> so again, this has been an introductory discussion on where our heads are at and where I think our listeners should start paying attention to is like, this is something that poses a risk to individual freedoms in society. It's that yeah. simple. Like, and we, there, there needs to be some sort of compromise here or some kind of resistance that's going to allow society to continue to be, you know, to be efficient, to run through, to, to have these transactions. Because the argument to me, at least personally, where it's like CBDCs are going to create an efficient society. Well, no, we've been doing digital transactions at least for the last like 15 years and we haven't had an issue. So why are we adding another layer uh, of complexity to an international currency or, 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 or you know, a, countries currencies the only explanation for me is is control exactly it's just no pure, sense it's just there's no other explanation for it and your safety people are gonna be, people are gonna yeah your safety is the excuse the environment is the excuse esg is the excuse reparations are the excuse um <laughs> social spending programs which is like the biggest you know fu to individual <laughs> sovereignty like they're, Making sure we collect our, we get our taxes. Yeah. Uh, make sure that everybody pays their fair share. You know, like it's 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 the broken tape recorder right now for yeah. for brainwashing. Unfortunately, an entire society into believing, okay, this is for your safety. It's it's unfortunately it's not. And imagine the thought of imagine you build your wealth and you say, well, I want to take my wealth and leave this country, and then they say, well, sorry, you can't. I'll How give an example. Mark, Mark, Mark Mobius, the guy's a billionaire. And if he's listening, we appreciate it. We'd love to have you on. But <laughs> he he was saying, he's like, I can't get my money out of China. Like, what? So you're not that, you're only rich within one location. The moment you step out of that location, your wealth is meaningless. And that's I mean, not individual sovereignty. That's government ensuring it's its own sovereignty. And we are merely playing within their little game. And the moment you want to step out of the game, too bad. You have to restart because your wealth is based on what we tell you it's based on and it's denominated in how we want it to be denominated and it's not transferable. The thing is individuals is bartering and we want to exchange our resources. We can't do it freely anymore because we've essentialized everything. We've allowed a central authority to become our economic god. And that's with the, all this referring to the BRICS and the CBDC and the cashless society, it, the premise is you're removing options. And sovereignty and fueling innovation provides options. We're doing the inverse of what an innovative and free market system does. It's the entire opposite. 
So I, I just want to give you an example of like what the potential risks are of like a CBDC in this case, right? Mark Mobius, this is all public information. And if you don't know who he is, he's, he's a very successful uh, you know, investor. He runs Templeton Emerging Markets. I mean, massive. Um, he has a bank account in Shanghai. And he's like, I'm trying to get my money out. And it's just like, they're, they're, not, they're not allowing that. So think about that for a second. It's like, wait, so if I work, if I have a business, or if I'm an employee at a company, and I want to take out my own money from a bank account, you're telling me that I can't? How, how is that a free or just society at that point? So anyway, there's <laughs> a lot to talk about. We're definitely going to bring some more people on to have these discussions because it's it's a really, it's one of those topics right now that's going under the radar. And I think you and I would agree our biggest fear is that one day it's just going to get implemented and nothing's going to happen. It's just like, that's it. We have to accept it or you're, you're done. Remember, we can't predict when a crisis occurs, but the moment there's a crisis and the government has a reasoning to implement it and go do it, they will do it and they'll do it without us realizing they're about to do it. And then it's too late. Yeah, we don't. You don't. You, you, that's the thing. You don't want it to be a point where you're saying, "Oh shit, it's too late. I, I, I don't have any other options." You yeah. need to prepare yourself in advance because the moment it happens, or if it doesn't happen, it's even better for us. But at least you were prepared because history is not on our side on this. History is against us because this is the trend that's moving in that direction. So yeah, I just you know I, I saw that news story come out. And I'm like, this is like, this is just the start, right? So yeah. Anyway, guys, a uh, quick little episode for our listeners here today. Um, we'd love your feedback on it. Sign up to our newsletter, newgenmindset.com. And uh, we've got a pretty, pretty interesting group of people coming on these next few weeks. So we're really excited to share some updates and, and some new people that are going to be on. So, uh, you know, with that, we'll leave you with, uh, you know, take care of your own wealth, your own way. Figure that out you know, and we're here to help you provide that. So we'll see you guys next time on the new gen mindset podcast. Ciao guys. Take care.